Internet. You're listening to the Combat Jack Show. What's up, King? How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Just, you know, um, I don't even know when this episode comes out, man. We just we just did this. The internet, this is what we did, man. For the past couple of weeks, man, we just stacked up interview upon interview upon interview upon interview. Uh, we came out this. We came out the gates in 2017 swinging. So on top of this, it's my gig is serious. It's this other project I'm working on. So I don't even know. I don't even like. When, so so not the not the. Will we still be in Black History Month or is this gonna be in March? Man, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. I think this is gonna be March. Okay. I think we got a couple of shows to drop. You know, uh, in the forthcoming weeks. So um, yeah, this particular episode will be probably the first week of March. I'll tell you, man, it's a new year, man, but I'm already ex- exhausted. I've been running, and on top of that shit, um, I mean, just every day, man, this consistent assault mm. from this PMERT administration, <laughs> man. You know what I mean? It's just every day it seems like it's a competition to see yeah. how they can out-evil themselves. You know what I mean? I mean, if if this sounds dated, you know, just today, um, you know, they appointed um, – the education DeVos 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 they they, they fucking she's she's running education so there was a tie and then fucking um, Mike Pence the whole Dakota pipeline access pipeline you know it's it's, it's too much it's it's like you know it's like an assault it's like shock and awe and then meanwhile you have uh, Iran and China firing off test missiles as a threat as a warning like listen it's just a lot going on man And, and, and like I said before man we've had some great guests Leading up to this episode, but it's really important as much as we stay vigilant and as much as we continue to fight, man, it's also really important, man, to protect your mental and your spiritual health. I'm saying because we can't, you know, I'm saying there's there's other soldiers in this. As long as we continue to to speak out, man, take some time, man. You know what I'm saying? Go smoke that L with your boo-boo. You know what I'm saying? Go see a movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Go do something, man, but but don't let this shit consume you. You know what I mean? Anyway. How, how do you stay abreast? Like, how do you um, maintain your sanity? You know, it's funny, man. After, like, the the second week of this motherfucking office, I kind of pulled out. So every now and then, I, I mean, I can't help it. I look at Twitter and the, the headlines, you know, jump up. But you know who I like to filter my news from mm-hmm. is our girl, Genghis Kells, yes. KMGZ, because she has a great way on her timeline of of talking about the current events, but she's also bringing humor or the stupidity or, you know what I'm saying? Just so, so it just softens the blow of it. But, you know, I, I mean, as much as I'm tired because I'm fucking busy, I'm less tired because I'm busy because I'm not consumed by the timeline. I'm not consumed by the headlines. Right. And this fuck, it's like, you know, it's like you always got to look to see what kind of fuckery he's on. So I, saw like, you, I saw you uh, tweet him earlier this morning. Oh, this said, morning. Yeah, he yeah. was talking about some <laughs> shit. Well, do you know? I think he was talking about, who was he talking about? What was the tweet? Um, I think he was he was criticizing the judge that put the stay on the ban or some shit. Or, yeah, so-called judge. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't, it wasn't that, that. that. But I was like, well, do you know you have fucking baby hands? <laughs> Yo, you know, the ill shit is when Trump actually responds to somebody clapping at him. Like, that's going to be epic as You're shit. You're not allowed to say his name on the show. Sorry. It's P-Mert. P-Mert. It's Trump spells backwards. <laughs> it's P-Mert. You know what I mean? P-Mert. We, we, have, we have a guest in, in, the, in the house today, man. We got Miss Alexa Layton, the lovely Miss Alexa Layton. Hi, guys. You know, you've been doing amazing work on, on, on Dinnerland. Oh, thank you. You know, visually, you're, you're always stunning. Um <laughs> You pull that, pull that. We have these new microphones. Shout out to Rode microphone. You know, uh, how's the? Po- are you still doing the podcast? Tell us about the podcast. Yes, I'm still doing the podcast. Um, I'm gonna make it 
Like, I'm not advanced like y'all. You know what I'm saying? This is advanced the, like who? At, like y'all, y'all. Advanced doing song. what? Did you, you didn't hear me and King arguing in the hallway <laughs> about how we're not advanced. What are you talking about? No, you guys, it's um, it's actually kind of hard to to do a, a weekly, for it to be on time. Every really? Week. For me, yeah. Do you think so? Like, listen, I want to get, get a response from all the podcasters out there that are doing this weekly. Is this shit easy or not? Y'all motherfuckers came in this game thinking this shit was going to be easy, right? <laughs> huh yes no it's hard it's just like getting um just making sure guests you know what i'm saying hold up to their end of the bargain and show up on time it's hard though it's it's just hard to keep the guests you know what i'm saying like from postponing but do you and and tell us the name of your show the alexa layton show the alexa layton show Mm -hmm. um don't i'll tell you this you're still young in the game and i hate that the combat jack show kind of we kind of cornered ourselves into this. Don't be dependent on guests if you don't have to. That's what I'm learning. Yeah, um, and especially with my co-host Julius. Shout out to Julius. Um, we just been coming up with more creative ways to just kind of do our own thing if we don't have a guest. And we got a couple ideas right now. Um, dropping soon. Dropping soon. We got some like you know just new and fresh ways to kind of do the show without having to depend on anyone's interviews. Yeah, what so. kind of what kind of cat is Julius? I see him getting a lot of burn right now <laughs> on social media. Julius He's been in, in the studio. Amazing. He looks like an he looks like he like he looks like he could be like an evil genius. <laughs> Or he's just a fucking weirdo. No, Julius is no Julius is he's weird, but okay. he's amazing. And no shots, though. Julius, but you do he's look like amazing. a fucking weirdo. I love him. But, he's okay. super funny. Okay. He's super whimsical and charismatic, and he's just amazing. He's is, just like a character. He's somebody that you won't meet twice. Is in your life. is this somebody that we all need to keep our eyes on? Yes, okay. of course. Okay. If you haven't already, definitely. Um, funny. It's it's at funny Julius on Twitter. He's like. Twitter famous, like how do you not know? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely follow him. And then tell us what's going on with Dinnerland. Um, Dinnerland's got a bunch of exciting new things happening. I'm actually coming out with a new series on Dinnerland soon. But Your I'm not gonna, own series? I'm not gonna say the name or anything. Now let me yet. ask you something: Did you create it or did Shake create it? Shake, no, Shake created it. No, okay. no, no, Shake created it. And then Shake, um, me and Shake met like last year. And he said he just, you know, liked uh, my presence and he liked the way I conduct myself and he wanted me to be a host. And I was like, sure, let's do it. No, but this next show that's coming out, did you? Oh, no. Oh, this one is my idea. Okay. Yes. The show that's coming out is my idea. Um, I think all of you will like it, actually. I think it's going to be, It's. I, can't, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much. We start filming um, next month, like towards the end of next month. So um, I'll just leave it as a surprise. No, I'm really, I'm really impressed by the work that Dinnerland does. I I really like the the look. I like the aesthetic. I like the sound. I like the, how he just he's able to take a lot of content, mm-hmm. or they're able to take a lot of content and they break it down mm-hmm. for for the cats that have you know ADD and 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 <laughs> and, and I'm actually kind of glad that I have a little run on their show right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, welcome to the Combat Jacks. Are you ready to do this? Yes, thank you. Internets, you know, we've been on a tear recently. You know, we've been, you know, it's not been it's bigger than rap. You know, what I mean, we we got some amazing guests. You know, we've had the locks recently. I'm saying next episode. Can I let them know who it is? I think he posted What Ice Cube? We let them know oh, he's gonna have ice. We, oh, I was gonna say. Drop the ball. No, we're not. We're not having Ice Cube. I didn't say that. You know, but we. You know, we. There's a lot of shit going on, man. And ever since we started this show seven years ago, I always told y'all, man, this is deep and this is bigger than rap. And I think if there's ever been a time when we we had to use our platform 
to really fight against injustice, not against just black people, but everyone, because right now everybody's in the fire, and I think it's waking everybody's eyes up, man. And 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 one of the things I didn't know I was so passionate about was really speaking, um, really sincerely about the shit that's going on. And even if that makes a change in what's going on, then then I think we're doing our job here. But this young man right here, you know, he was supposed to be on the show last year, but we had some issues with our scheduling and our programming. Um, but he's done some amazing stuff, man. Um, he's a former Baltimore member of the for, of, of the Baltimore Police Department, um, retired, and then has used his platform starting off on Twitter, correct? Yeah, Twitter blow up. Yeah. Starting off on Twitter and really doing something that you see rare um, in, 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 you know, in our country today. He just really started speaking about, you know, just the injustices that he saw and experienced and witnessed as a former member of the Baltimore Police Department. Um, and he started a movement, and I, and I noticed that his movement is growing. He's a former, he's a veteran of the, the Marine Corps. So, you know, he talks about humanity and empathy, and, and, and because there's so much inhumanity going on right now, um, we felt that he'd be the perfect guest to have on the Combat Jack show for this episode. So let's welcome to the Combat Jack show, Mr. Michael A. Wood, Jr. Oh, thanks. It's such a weird introduction. Are we going to like any fake claps or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael. There we go. Something like that. What's up, Michael? My last leg of my East Coast life. Yo, don't fucking throw it in our face. Don't rub it in our face that you're moving to L.A., man. It was so cold out there. My shoes were soaked today. It was that cold 40-degree rain, which is like the worst Today was fucking cold, dude. Right. And so I was just like, even though my feet were wet, I was like, I know that this is a limited thing. Experience. So I'm okay with this. You're still rubbing it in our face, though, right? You're moving out to L.A. this month. Right. And and, and really for the whole building the platform is essentially, I, I kind of agree with you wholeheartedly that what our kind of responsibility here is now is to build platforms so that other people can step up on those platforms in order to have their voice heard and we'll continue to, to build that. And while you do it in an educational aspect, you know, I'm trying to do the same thing in an action aspect where if you have something like the Lakota Sioux who need to stand up, then I want to make sure I build a platform where their voice gets heard, where we have a Black Lives Matter rally and the voice of the community is getting heard, not the voice of some chief or some mayor or something that wants to come in and say what that neighborhood is like that has no goddamn clue what that neighborhood is like. Well, we or, need to go in and clean it up. Right, clean it up. Law like, and order. It's, it's so bad. It's like you don't... You you clearly don't know these places right. if you think this is a place of evil. This right. is a place of hope and yeah. a place where people will struggle and not have anything but still coalesce together and manage to survive. A place where after the uprising, everyone got together and had cookouts and cleaned up at, at the entire scene. But nobody sees that, right? No one's going to capture that and let you know about it. So we have to build those platforms so people do know about it. You know, being a former police officer in Baltimore, um, let's speak on that because you know I know New York, I know Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, and I and I know like even in the in the hottest spots in Brooklyn because I'm a native. There's a sense of appreciation that I could really enjoy, a sense of pride. Like shit might be fucked up on on this block, but this is still, you know. I mean, look what B- Brooklyn has become. Like, did you get that sense? Like, like working the streets of, of Baltimore and saying this is not as much as we paint this as like as much as the wire paints this as this place, this dystopian place, as much as our president paints the inner cities as this fucked up place. Was it like that? So, I mean, growing up in, in essentially a mixed-race neighborhood, but out in the in the rural area where you kind of, they have that anti-city mentality right. that, that kind of goes throughout the, the zeitgeist uh, uh, of the whole thing. I mean, I was I had that corrupt mind when I went in that you were there to regulate and enforce 
but it was when I was a narcotics detective that I ended up being in the community in certain areas for like 14 or 15 hours for the day before the drug dealers got up and after they left and set up shop. But you saw the community for what it really was. You then. saw people taking their kids to school. I saw the drug dealer taking his kid to school. The same guy that you right. were <laughs> That's crazy. You know, or, or shutting down shops so right. that his little brother would would go be able to get on the bus. And, or, or when all the bus got out and the kids went through the neighborhood, that that street lieutenant was the one that made sure the kids didn't actually see the drug dealing right. and, and, and were protected and sheltered from everything. And, and so it, it became clear that if being a narcotics detective, when I did my job, which my job was to take that dude off the street, that I was without question going to make life worse for one of those little boys right. or make it more dangerous for that person. So it was like, I'm not even in here to help. This is a community that is struggling, but it's clearly struggling because they have a lack of resources and they're all improvised and they get past these lack of resources and I'm going to come in and take away what goddamn resource there was. But isn't you just hit it on the head and I'm not, I'm not at all, um, you know, championing, you know, crime. I'm not at all championing drug dealers, although I have a bigger issue with, you know, why, you know, drugs aren't decriminalized in the first place. But, you know, when you see this monster or this quote-unquote monster, this opponent of yours that you're supposed to take down. And when you see him in a, in, in a, in a sunlight, in a, in, a human, in a human manner, what does that do to you, man? Well, it, it does make I mean, I guess I'm a hypocrite anyway because I never believed in the drug war as it right, was. of course. But, I mean, I wanted the action and the chase. So I kind of had the idea that, that, you know, the drug dealer could run, get in a car, and we could go on a chase, and I could catch him, and I felt like I could put the handcuffs on him, like, all right, bet, we'll play this game again tomorrow. I win this time. Maybe you win next right. time. Like, I didn't – you don't see the end, right? So it was – It's after, like this Tom and Jerry, like, just loop. Sure. Right. And then it was at the end that I think things really got different. When I got out of policing and I met ex-cons, and they, they kind of – I put myself – to be subject to to their understanding so that they could lash out a little bit. They needed to talk to a cop and kind of let those off. But then you see the other side. Police never see the other side, what it does to you. Like, there's this dude, Boom, in Baltimore who... A nonviolent guy completely gets in there for drugs, and he ends up being in solitary confinement for three years because you know you end up beefing with shit and stuff in there. But this dude, you go in there on a on a bullshit charge because maybe you're distributing flowers to your friends who would like some more flowers as well, not harming a single soul. And we end up as a society saying that we're going to put you in a metal box that's small and confine you and treat you like an animal, and then say that that person's the bad person. Meanwhile, everybody's smoking flowers. Right. Meanwhile, everybody's about to get rich. In the flower business, in the marijuana industry. But because these guys, then they were born at the wrong time or they're in the wrong place, they're the ones that are going to be our monsters. They're the ones that are designated as the monsters. Yeah, I mean, you have to have, that's, so, I mean, we were kind of skipping around a little bit, but after We I, are skipping the <laughs> fuck around, man. After, after I got out of the police department, I, when I first started my reforms, I thought we were relatively unprofessional. And so I got into having my degree in criminal justice, and then it just didn't really seem right. The criminal justice degree didn't. I got my master's in business management and looking at how the metrics and incentives are all misaligned and completely wrong. So then you you start to get an idea of what policing is. And we discussed this right beforehand that as I did my Ph.D. work and got further into it, it was like, you know, what's really clear is that policing only does three things. And it's the creation and maintenance of an oppressed class, which I would have said slave class, but I'm trying to temper my language now. But that's what it originated in terms <laughs> right. of maintaining the right. property, so which goes, was the slave class. Right. Protecting the property, which was the slaves. Right. So this is the first time Boston police right. were the ones that started doing this. So we think of the North as being safe, but some of the first police officers that wear that first safe 
badge with the slave patrol in Boston who literally took freed slaves who got to the north free arrested them, took them back to the South so that they could be slaves again. And we, you know, and the North still wants to paint itself as right. a hero. So you ended up doing that. The second phase is the protection of or valuing property of the elites over the lives of, of American citizens. Right. And what I used to say on that was the uh, protection of elite and white property. But now I've tempered my language so that the conservatives can, can help that. And the other is the continued genocide of the Native American people. And you'll always see police going towards that avenue in, in any way, shape, or form that they do. No matter what you tell me the police are do, I'm going to be able to tie it into one of those three things. And that's why you have something like Standing Rock that just clearly encapsulates all three of those issues. You know, let's go back a little bit, man. You come from Baltimore. Um, you grew up in, in, like, you know, anti, you said anti-urban uh, area? or Well, yeah. I mean, the suburbs are typically that way, at right. least in Maryland, that they kind of view the city as this dangerous place, which it's, it's even statistically, it's not. I don't right. know if a lot of people know that. If you're not involved in the game, your, your odds of being shot in Baltimore, walking through the hood, are the same as walking through Iowa. Right. Uh, you know, if you're not beefing with anybody, if, nobody's if there to beef with you. If you're clean, nine out of ten, nothing's going to happen to you. Right. Nothing's right. going to happen. Right. Uh, and I forget where I was even going with that. Well, did you, have a lot of, <laughs> did you have any interaction with black kids when you were growing up or black people? No, I lived in a mixed-race neighborhood. Okay. So, I mean, we, it just had that kind of anti-city feel to right. it. Um, one of my big mistakes was growing up in, in assisted housing and, and in mixed races is that I was race-blind. So I tried to make myself that intentionally in policing. I thought the good cop would be the one who is race blind, uh, does the law equally and fairly, and goes where they're, they're I don't assigned. see race. Right. So the, the, that, was, that was actually what blinded me right. because once you start real, you have to pay attention you have to, to the race right. because that's what our system, our entire system is directed towards enforcement on, on a few particular groups of people. And it's like, well, uh, even if I'm being impartial, this system is steering me here. But I would even imagine just on a, on a, on a broader scale, you know, when I meet somebody I want and and they're different. I'm intrigued by their background. Like I want to know what their culture is. I want to know what their food. I want to know how the women and or how the how the men and the women interact with what their music is. So, I can't afford to be colorblind. You, you know what I mean? I think that's such a it's such a soulless thing to 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 promote. Like I'm colorblind because it's like I don't see you or I see you as a shade of me. And you're not seeing what the person has to the go totality, through because, right. you know, it's a categorization. Race is a social construct. It didn't exist 100 years ago. Right. It didn't even exist. It, it was created in the late 1800s. So, you know, just around 120 years or so. So it's it's something that white supremacy has put on you as a label. And it's not anything any of us have to follow. It's not, it's not a real goddamn label. Yeah, it's like no, it's, the it's, people that wear red shirts and the people that wear blue shirts. There, there's nothing actually to it. Right. So, I mean, that's that's what blackness is from originally. That's why Italians and and um, the Irish, Irish were also considered black well, because they, it's I, that which stands against white supremacy they right. label as black. Well, it's funny, man, because I was reading something a couple of years ago about like the, the Irish uprising. And I just remember looking at like the pay scale and the black dude was getting like maybe 50 cent more than the Irish. And they were like, fuck this. And they fought their way. They, they fought their way. They terrorized their way. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking negatively about the Irish, but they really fought their way into whiteness, which is crazy. Right. Instead of being, you know, joining and rallying with the. They were like, there's no fucking right. way I'm getting paid. Less it's like than a leaving black the person. hood and leaving a Yeah, they're you know, not. They, they, they fought because they could not accept getting paid lower than a, than a black person, which is crazy. So you, you grew up in a family, man, that that, that that's a you grew up in a police family, right? 
No, um, I had friends that were police. Okay, uh, I was the the first cop. Uh, the the, I mean, I, I I just grew up with a single mom, so it was just me and my mom growing up in a mixed race neighborhood. So like, so what drives you to join the Marines, man? I, I didn't have my shit together. So what, what, what do you mean by that, man? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't mature enough to go to college. Like okay. I knew I was. He's fucking around. I would, I, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, hanging yeah. around a lot of flowers, man. <laughs> so, I mean, might have been hanging around too many flowers, okay. too many other things, okay. too many women or something like that. Right. I knew I wouldn't have had Did it. Did you get anybody knocked up? Did you have to go I, to the I, Marines because you got somebody knocked up? Can you, can you still do the fifth? Is the fifth legal? You can So, I mean, not at the time, no. Right. Um, but, but I thought that that was a way out. And that's really what society sells you is when you are a poor kid. They sell you this program that is somehow honorable to be trained to go kill brown people in the seas of the Middle East to get war profits for the few elite, you know, oil pipes going through. And, and, and so we see that now. But I, I mean, I fell for that thing, too, so I could go to college so you, and you get want, out of there. So wait a minute. Did you want to be patriotic or did you want to? Because I know people that have gone into the military and it's because their their financial situation was fucked and they were in debt and they didn't have any way to get higher education. They're like, yo, if I go into the fucking army, if I go into the fucking Marines. I'll get a new lease in life. So was it being patriotic or getting a new lease in life or both? Not patriotic okay. at all. Okay. Um, it's totally about that. And, uh, I mean, I chose a job I wanted to pursue. I, I did combat arms, and I wanted to do a FAST team, which is an anti-terrorism unit. What's and combat arms, man? So, so the, you know, each, for each person that actually fights in a war or in the military, there's nine people in support. The vast majority of the military just supports a few people that actually fight. Right. And so I wanted to be one of the ones that actually fight and not the ones that I'd actually do just that. I wanted to be the ones that did the cool shipboard stuff and the, and fit the landings and all that. So I was doing it for the adrenaline and, and, and the, 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 the paycheck of being able to go to college. Where were you stationed? So I, primarily out of Yorktown, Virginia, which is where Fast Team is. And then I went to Japan, Alaska, Hawaii. We were a fort deployed unit. So we didn't have to do much. We didn't do actual fighting anyway because we were like a SWAT team right. for the rest of the Marine Corps. So, you know, you can't just go fight a war and then forget that you have embassies right. <laughs> somewhere else. Exactly. So you gotta, so we, we did the rest of the stuff. So did you see action? No, we never. We you never we saw action. Had, so our group almost never sees action right. because by the time you called us in, we're the kind of, okay, this shit's over. Right. So even when the fast teams do land, usually everybody's like, all right, shit's over, and you're done. You know, I got I to gotta shout out my girl, Genghis Kells, uh, KMGZ on Twitter, because uh, she's a former Marine. And, you know, I, I just every now and then when I read her into her tweets, I get an insight as to, you know, just the discipline and the training and actually the honor that she has for the armed forces. Can you talk about the training and how rigorous as a Marine? Well, um yeah it was hard um but I mean, no, it's, no it's, fucking kidding. it's supposed to be right. <laughs> um it was a very proficient like i'll give one good example is being um in in a swat type environment we had this it's called close quarters battles where you go through and you shoot live rounds and kind of move through a building because combat is urban now right and and when we would do that if you so much as passed your muzzle across anyone that you weren't supposed to shoot good guy or bad guy your own team members you're out of the school right. you're done you right. didn't make the cut in the police department, yo, you're lucky if they could hit the broad side of a barn. Like, <laughs> there is no training whatsoever. And so with the group of people that I had in the Marine Corps, I was highly confident at all times that every single one of them could pick up their, their function and operate extremely well. You know, it's funny also because one of the things that I learned reading in, on her timeline, particularly with, you know, just this outbreak of, like, uh, police brutality, you know, she and she actually saw, you know, she was stationed in— um, Afghanistan and she you know she saw you know some action and 
She's like, even there, you know, in Afghanistan as occupiers, you know what I mean? In a different country where you don't even understand the language. Um, it's so much more difficult. How's that even different than really Baltimore or even New York? Yeah, like, but, I mean, a white kid from the from the urban environment is not even speaking the same language. Exactly. So, so and then, and there's IEDs and there's all types of things that, you know, the fear and the, the adrenaline is ratcheted up. But she was saying for you to fire your gun on a on a foreign citizen, you have to go. They have to be firing at you, right? Right. You ours, have to really be. Ours, we had to be fired upon to right. return fire. Right. So she couldn't even understand how here in the states, none of you, you you can operate on a premise of fear. Yeah, it's solely fear. So your legal basis, which is a stab, I don't know, it might have been a Wardlow case. I don't remember where where that is the case. It's 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 just was the officer's fear reasonable. And then we go back, and, and this is the whole officer's case in Baltimore where it really exposed the, the whole problem is that legally we have determined that it, uh, a, a cop can do whatever is determined to be reasonable. Now, this should mean reasonable to you. To, to everybody. But we've codified it to be reasonable to other police officers. So now what happened in, in, with, with trying to get justice for Freddie Gray was that they essentially proved in court that these officers who are pawns in a system that they were that none of them followed the rules so that reasonable they classified as normal normal was not following the rules so therefore it was reasonable because to it was these substandard they're, 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 to not follow the rules which is crazy it's unbelievable right i mean of course you can't say like if we go commit crimes together and we say that the standard is going to be whether you think i i did the crime reasonably or not like yeah, we're going to side with each other of every single yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So in a sense, to, to justify these injustices, we're constantly lowering the bar. Right. So it's whatever is reasonable to another cop. Right. So then you obviously becomes what happens when the majority of cops are unreasonable, then you've codified that, unreasonable behavior. Yo, that's crazy talk, man. It's the truth. That's crazy talk. Psychotic. <laughs> it, it's crazy talk, right? <laughs> Makes no sense. You, you, you come back home, right? And and what makes you join the force? I mean, so I always wanted to be a cop when right. I was growing up. Uh, because again, of the adrenaline. I wanted to. <laughs> the chase, right. Right. And if you're going to do that, where do you do that? Did you watch Baltimore, a lot of TV duh. or was it video games? Sure, right? like cops and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's not video what's games. Your you know what's one thing that's funny about video games is ever since violent video games have been introduced, crime has gone down dramatically. It was everybody smoking weed and playing the games. And, and yet we talk about it's the enemy. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's completely against all evidence yeah, that yeah. it's the enemy. And if you think about it... I didn't know that, like, though. Even if you have some kinky, weird sexual fantasy, yeah. is it weird to try and enact that in real life, or is it better to go ahead and do that in virtual reality and not have a victim? Right? I would want to do it in real life, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, for society, is about it sex. Sex got to be real, B. <laughs> for society. Right, of course, of right. course. You know, so you'd want to you'd want to do something like that. It should be the way it is. So, you you join the force, man. And 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 what's your initial like experience? Like they put you into the hood, right? Uh, so uh, I go into this weird circle is my first place where I was stationed was on foot because they like to say that they have community control by putting foot officers there. Right. You took a white kid from the county that you already trained to kill brown people and you put him in a neighborhood he doesn't understand. Right. And you somehow think that that's not occupation or that's community policing. Right. Of course it wasn't. So I was relatively unsupervised for about six months. How did it feel being out there? Did it feel like shit? Like they put me out in the jungle? No. It felt like like 
It's gonna have fun. Okay. okay. <laughs> He's a crazy white boy. Wait, how, wait, wait, wait. How so? What kind of fun? Right. So we would just, since we were relatively unsupervised, the only thing we could think of to do was go after drug dealers. Right. So we would break into like the public housing because you know they keep the heat on, right? right. So you could go in there in winter project, time. Project free, heat. Yeah, you're not freeze your ass off. Right. So you break into public housing in a in a vacant, and you would just start watching people sling. And go down and lock them up because that's all we could do. And they wanted us to have a stat because they say, "What did you do today?" They didn't say, "Did you meet any of the neighbors?" They say, "How many people did you lock up? Right. How many, How many arrests right. did mm-hmm. you get?" So you have to do that to prove of what you were doing. Like so that's quota, right? right, totally. So that's wait a minute, wait, wait. Let me let me rewind this back. So basically, you and your partner were figuring it out as you were. As, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, figuring yeah. out as you're totally, on the job. Totally, totally, totally. So I was with another. I, I essentially usually would partner up with another marine, right, uh, Eric, who we could trust one another. You, you wanted, you made that happen. Right, right. We we did it on purpose. Okay, so we could stay together, right. and, and you know trust one another to do these things just fine. Which uh, actually makes sense because at least you guys had the sense and the training. And he grew up in the city, so to know, to know how to approach. Uh, and he grew up in the city, but like at least for you, you had somebody that was familiar with the terrain. And so you felt safe. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was always safe. I was the one that had the gun, dude. right? But you know what? But but, let's, uh, but Michael, let's talk about. You got a lot of people with guns that don't feel safe. Right. We got to also talk about the training that you you had. Sure. I mean, so I I I, I did uh, semi arrogantly. We can go ahead and say so on the records. Um, coincidentally, I ended up tied with another Marine, but we are the, in our my academy class, this Marine, Jerry and I, are the highest shooters, highest scoring shooters in the history of Baltimore Police Department. Really? So think about that. It's 200 and some years. We're the highest shooters. And I'm telling you, I was an average shooter right. in with, the the, with, the in the my, yeah. with the rest of my guys. Um, so you, you have that entire lack of, of any of those abilities to handle that weapon. So I always thought, like, look, like I'll be honest, if, if Ray Ray from the hood beats me in a gunfight, like I feel like he it's my get... fault. Nobody to blame but myself. Right. <laughs> you know. So if he beat me to the draw, put an accurate shot on me, I think I'd be sitting there like motherfucker. Like that is, I got nobody to blame yeah. but me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So uh, yeah, that's that's the. I think uh, military members, especially combat arms, they're not the ones doing these shootings because they're not afraid. Uh, they they're weapons proficient, and you're just not going to get that kind of weapons proficiency in, in that. Yeah, you know, that bullshit of a, of a few, you know, maybe forty hours that they yeah. learn how to shoot their weapon. Um, how do you compare the training of uh, the Marine Corps to the training of the, p- the police department? Well, I mean, it's impossible comparison, really, right. because the Marine Corps actually will try to set up an achievable mission. Uh, there's no achievable mission in policing. If you you say, "What would you want police to do?" Well, that's not what police are doing. And if they say what they're trying to do is they're going to say they're trying to lower crime. Well, if you're trying to lower crime, you would fight the things that cause crime. There's no police agencies that are fighting the goddamn things that cause crime. So if somebody robs a bank here, you would think the police would say, hey, why did this guy rob the bank? What can we do to prevent this in the future? But all police do is try to figure out the details of the crime so they can lock the person away, doing nothing to prevent the next goddamn bank robbery. And in fact, making it so that person that did rob the bank will now go into a system where his resources are depleted further, he's marginalized further, and now comes back more likely to rob the goddamn bank. You know, it's it's almost, you know what I'm saying? It's almost, and I'm not saying that the police department is a cancer, but it's almost like a cancer in that... um, no, it, it is. So uh, all all, all progress, so New York has legendary <coughs> crime reduction, right? So you have achieved this not because of policing, 
But despite policing, because the reason you had the, the crime drop here was that New York public health system attacked lead poisoning more than any other city in the entire, in the entire country. Lead poisoning is the strongest correlate to violent crime that we have. Yes. So in the 70s, you had a, your public health department had a huge effort to eradicate lead. Yo, my and cousin, you, you my did cousin it had lead poisoning. That motherfucker was crazy. 22 years later, it's going to be crazy. And no, he's, he, he's been, in, a, he's been in, in prison, in and out of prison since the motherfucking 70s. Right. He's that, fucking crazy. That's what it does to you. Yeah. So, so if you were actually trying to lower is crime. Is that why those motherfuckers it. were crazy in the yeah. 70s? Well, that in the ni- in the 90s it died off. So in the 70s, in the 80s, right? So in the 72 or 73, they took lead out of the gas. Right. So that's when it stopped affecting everybody. That's why white neighborhoods start to have less because they had white flight went out to the counties. They now have PVC piping. So in the cities, you still have lead paint. You cluster marginalized communities and redline them into environmentally poisoned areas with lead paint and lead flint. Baltimore, all these areas, and then the children are poisoned, so they end up committing crimes because they were poisoned. If you wanted to stop crime, you'd fight lead poisoning. Right, that's kind of crazy. Yo. It's crazy. What does that mean for Flint now? Like, so tw- it means twenty-two years from now, they're going to have a violent crime problem if the people are still there. Mm-hmm. Write it down. I mean, we have this down to the blocks in New York City. You can tr- they they graphed it down to the block. You can track and see how the crime rates fluctuate by this amount of poisoning down to the block. That so- is insane. It's insane. Look it up. Because I mean, you, know, you could just put it up. From now, twenty-two is the way they do it. Twenty-two yeah. years from now, they're gonna there's gonna be a spike in crime in Flint, and they're just gonna be like, oh, law and order. Let's just lock these niggas up. Yeah. Let, you know what I'm saying? When it's when you you poison these people, you you literally poison this whole town and didn't do anything about it and just hushed like they closed the case, but there's people in Flint still don't have clean water. That's crazy. So wait a minute. So so broken windows. That's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. I mean, and so I, I mean, I already know Rudy Giuliani is fucking bullshit. Right, total bullshit. Yeah. Um. So, like, even now, they Oakland just hired a police chief that believes in broken windows policing. Really? And this was literally disproven. Like, we we know this in the literature. Like, not only is it ambiguous, like we can say it does not work. Right. I mean, even here, there's the the great anecdote. Here is when the police said, "Oh, I want to sit here, and we're not going to do anything if they don't want us to enforce laws. We're all going to enforce the most mandatory ones." And crime dropped. It's like, yeah, 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 dude. You're only supposed to enforce laws when it's the last resort. Right. Duh. <laughs> so, so when I when I said earlier that it's a cancer, man, like, and I heard, and I heard you talking about this on on Rogan Show, which was a, which was a great episode, man. It's like, do we not want crime to go away? No, we don't, because that feeds the the war complex. So if you can't you can't keep making Humvees for soldiers to use if you don't have anywhere to put them. So you need new ones so you take the old ones and you give them to the police department so you can keep making new ones i mean it's all money making this is capitalism this mm-hmm. is what we are mm-hmm. so i mean policing is those three things not because police are those three things but because america is right. those three things right that's scary man that's scary. like so the worst day on this planet is if people wake up and it's like there's no fucking crime like america would go crazy i, I mean it's we know how to do that right. though we we almost we know, know how, how to, to eliminate crime Right, so if we if we stop the drug war, right. you're going to end eighty percent of crime right off the bat, and right, if we, because the drug war is bullshit also. It's complete bullshit. So I mean, the most violent time in American history was during Prohibition. Yes, and now we have the lingering Prohibition. The I mean, well, I would say the last most dangerous period in, in the U.S. was the crack, well, crack era. epidemic. Yeah, the crack epidemic, and we're talking about the eighties, nineties. But it's not because of the crack; it's right. because of how we respond to it by treating people like they're fucking animals right. because they and have. Well, a you had some fucking, you had some psychopaths out here in the streets too, though. Back right. in the day, right? But we always, they might have had that lead in them, though. But but, but the thing we got, <laughs> we got to really look. And at... And then they put lead in people, but 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> One way to put it. You get lead poisoning as an irony paradox. There. Yeah. But we always have to look at it that when you put somebody in prison, it's to protect society from them, right. not to punish them. Right. We should always be finding a way to get them rehabilitated back in society, right. even if they stay in prison. Right. Because if you think about it, if, say, you got some 18-year-old kid that does some heinous thing, and we decide we're going to protect society from him from forever, there's no reason he needs to be in a tiny cell. He could be in a place that has food and yards and outside. And, and education. Right. And you education. can send him to be a PhD. He yeah. can become a scholar, and he can contribute to society. He can find, he can discover the cure to cancer behind the Absolutely. walls. Yeah, I always thought prison should be like therapy centers mm-hmm. where you go and you get rehabilitated and you have a therapist every day, so a counselor, somebody that can talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Figure out why you committed the crime, why whatever it is you're going through, and you shouldn't like it. Should be honestly, it should be like when celebrities go to rehab yeah. and they have like big ass pools and freaking masseuse and they need they need they need therapy they don't need to be punished right they just need guidance right they just need guidance basically i'm all i'm all over the place with this man but like when you hear america sing its virtues about how we're the land of the just and we're we're so sophisticated when you compare us to other countries where do we fall man I mean, we do like to say that, like we're we're at home of the free. We're certainly not the freest country, no. and it's just like, what would you say is the freest country, man? Uh, I mean, you're probably somewhere in the Netherlands right. and, yeah, and Sweden, Switzerland, Switzerland, Switzerland yeah. something like that, um, because they have free, they have health, socialized health care. They're socialists. Yeah, I mean, and they pay like fifty, sixty percent in taxes, and they love it because they don't pay for doctors they don't pay for school they don't pay for any of this stuff and anybody has a potential to fulfill themselves so the idea of america is is that if you put in the hard work you have a level playing field that's patently untrue in this country i don't know if there's a place where you have less of an even playing field than here why why do we have such a negative view of socialism uh because that's how they did the whole cold war thing is blaming it on socialism when it's not i mean like just because Stalin was a socialist doesn't make socialism bad. You know, right. Stalin might have worn black clothes. It doesn't make black clothes black. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's because people are greedy. You know, people are yeah. greedy. People don't want to be, um, people don't want to be, well, this is my theory. I think people don't want to be socialist because they don't want to be equal. Like, everyone doesn't want to be They don't want to the level playing field. Right. Right. It's like people have this mentality, I need to have more money than you. I need to have more access to 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 better things than you you know what i'm saying like this this person why am i on the same playing field as this person i need to be up here i need to have this nice i don't, car I don't understand you know this, what i'm not putting my i'm not trying to paint i don't understand that i, I don't understand it either if we're all good i don't have to wash my fucking back Pe- right people don't well, realize that we can all live nice lives and be happy well poverty is a poverty is a man-made like well, why why did white people? supremacy exist though so that they didn't have to do work exactly and other people could mm-hmm. do the damn work so we've kind of like put into white society that white don't have to doesn't have to do the same amount of work at as the same time but else. there's this ideology of pulling themselves up by the bootstrap and I did it on my own right but they but they don't you know and I get in arguments with them about that because even if you're a business owner it's just like yo I mean look at the street you're driving on did you pay millions of dollars for that street like. You're never going to pay taxes for the amount to pay for the amount of street you drive on. Right. So, like, 
somebody else, especially if you take you know poor neighborhoods that can't do all the tax write-offs. So like one of the big tragedies in Baltimore, they did this example in North Avenue. There's a lady who lives just a few blocks away from that CVS. She pays $1,200 a year in property taxes, obviously getting shit worth of community services and every everything else. And then here you have Under Armour and Kevin Plank getting a $600 million tax break, not having to pay any goddamn taxes. The whole, Hilton doesn't pay taxes. The the All these big constructs in, in Johns Hopkins don't pay taxes, but there's some lady, and they get all the services, but there's some damn lady that's been working her ass off her entire life on North Avenue in the hood who pays taxes and doesn't get shit. So it shows that regression, you know, everything is a a regressive tax where we just keep punishing the poor so that they don't have to do it. They want the poor to keep doing it. That's why Charleston's so beautiful. That's why we have pyramids. You know, it's slave labor that builds all this stuff when you see that White House. You know, it looks like that because you didn't fucking pay wages for for that bitch to be built. You didn't pay for that shit. (laughs) Yo, as a police officer, man, what were some of the things you experienced and saw, particularly with regard to brutality and injustices? Well, being a cop. Sure. So the brutality aspect comes in just them not treating people as being human and thinking like there's some kind of personal slight. Like they take a lot of things. Like say you're going to arrest somebody and like they elbow you or uh, trying to get away. And then this becomes like this big assault. So they beat the crap out of the guy, you know, almost until he dies or something like that. I mean, I've had junkies elbow me in the face when I was trying to arrest them. Guess what? I popped out of an alley and grabbed somebody. Yeah. They're going to elbow me in the face. Right. I totally get it. That shit happens. But, then, but even in the heat of, like, you you talked about becoming a police officer because of the adrenaline and the rush. So in the in the heat of, like, the scuffle of the whole line, do you, do you yourself lose it? No, I mean, I didn't. Right. I mean, it was... It's a job. Like, right. that's the thing. I think it becomes when you, you internalize it and you take it as personal slights that they, they, they kind of get a little bit more aggressive and, and lash out. And if you are cowardly and that's the only way you can prove yourself is, is through that power, then a lot of people do. I mean, most cops are pussies, dude. We all know this. Most cops and are pussies. why is it that the police force is full of pussies? I don't understand. Like, where Because is that's the... how they get their power. But where is the like when when you hire who who like I don't understand when you when you fill out your application to be a cop or whatever and you go through your training, and 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 someone someone's gotta hire you. Why is it that it's okay for these types of people, these cowardless people, these people that will rather shoot somebody and kill them than analyze the situation or tackle them? You know what I'm saying? Why is it that these people are the ones getting hired to be cops that are supposed to protect? And serve, and I just don't. I just don't get it. Like, why aren't you hiring people with courage? People who have sense. People who can realize and and de-escalate a situation rather than someone ending up dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it goes two ways. Is you have a self-selection process and who tries to and actually applies for the job, but then you have the culture. Uh, they, they just they just did a there was a study I just found the other day and I couldn't believe it was real that they studied and realized that people go into the academy with more integrity than they graduated. So the actual wait, 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 going how, how, what happens? Bec- uh, because you get exposed to everything. You start getting exposed to the culture that us versus them and always winning and never being able to back up. So like they the the policing starts to teach you that there's a gray area and there really isn't supposed to be any gray area in policing it's always supposed to be that the citizen is right you're not supposed to have that gray area and then there's a lot of unintentional things like they do a polygraph and a polygraph is a fucking terrible idea for hiring police officers or or drug things it's a, it's a terrible idea to not how's, have cops have drugs like so a, i'll explain the polygraph yeah, yeah. for you why it's bad is is so the polygraph makes it so it measures anxiety right 
So you get people that fail the polygraph. Two people fail the polygraph. Those who lie and are anxious and those who are fucking anxious and because anxious. they feel guilty right. about everything they've done bad in their entire life. So they carry that anxiety into, right. the, into the test. So you eliminate the people who are really, really bad, and, and, and that's good, but and can't and show it. And you eliminate the people who did some things but feel really guilty about it, and they learned from it. That's somebody you do want, right? right? So you eliminated that group right. already. So you're and, then, le- and then you probably fucking have these heartless monsters of people that are not even thinking that what they're talking about is fucking immoral and they fucking pass the test okay so that's the group that passes is you have the group that passes is the group that can lie and has done a lot of shit the sociopath like you don't call me a sociopath (laughs) Uh, i I trained and learned how to pass it okay Uh, you trained to learn how to pass it yeah you you can pass it you can train yeah yeah you can yeah yeah, so so you fucking trained and passed to control your anxiety okay right right so so and then you get the people who have never done shit so have no reason to be anxious. And that's right. the last person you want on the streets is somebody that has no clue what the streets are like because they're afraid of fucking everything. Everything, yeah. Right? So you want somebody that's comfortable and feels bad about it, but you already eliminated all that. Right. So you get stuck. Your best cops are the ones who were able to lie and get through but aren't really bad people. Right. That, that's crazy. So the pool... The pool is the pool is, is is fucking useless. And who wants to take a job to put people in in a prison cell? You right. know, like that takes a certain mentality anyway. I mean, like you can look at me and I can look at me and say that, but like I just didn't think of putting them in a prison cell. I I thought it was a fucking chase. You, they yeah, that's you, only showing cops as a chase. You know, <laughs> you you know that's fucking white privilege when you join right, the police right. department to fucking have fun. Yeah, I mean, what is what is privilege <laughs> is not acknowledging it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, not having to think about it. So you start seeing things like what, man? Like what, what are the things you start seeing in terms of like specific things you talked about? Well, when you say what I see and recognize, I was only seeing and recognizing internal issues at right. the time. Right. I didn't really process what we were doing. So when I saw, uh, you know, a cop smack some woman for no reason because she just talked shit to him. Like, I just thought that dude's an asshole. But like, if that was your brother... I'm not going to say shit about it. Yeah, it's like, dude, like, after at all? So you see somebody doing some fucked up shit. Yeah, I mean. On the force. You yell at them, yeah. and, and you kind of get checked. But, but then, you can't yell at them. Well, I've done it, you okay. know, but once you have to have enough rank and enough power right. to really make an issue out of it, but you still can't snitch because, like, it's the cops that are saying, you know, the stop snitching mentality, and there's no group of stronger not snitchers <laughs> cops than are the, the best, fucking cops. Cops are the best non snitchers, right? Right. And so it's these kind of little corrupt things too. Like, wait, you, wait. How do you learn the whole non-snitching thing? Like, is there like this? Do they drill? It's that not thing? even an option. Like, right. because you know, there's no enforcement mechanism either. So even if you are somebody that comes out, like one of uh, Joey Crystal is a Baltimore cop who testified against other cops beating somebody up, and he got ran out of the agency. His career's ruined, and that's what happens every single time right. that somebody does that. So, so there's so, no so infrastructure. It's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, totally, because you're asking somebody to give up millions of dollars right. because it's their career, it's their pension. They'll never get a job in law enforcement again. And, and they so, got to start over. Yeah, totally. And they have kids, you know. Sometimes they're invested by time. By the time you're starting to put the puzzles together, you're eight, ten years in. Yeah, you've got kids in college. you got you right. know, the mortgage, the whole nine. So, um, but as you're seeing things and you're realizing that, wait a minute, this guy's not an asshole. This is the culture. Right, mm-hmm. this is the culture of the force. Like we're protected by this, 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 this. What is it? The, the, the shield. Like the, the. What is it? What you... Well, you are, but you're protected more, even more so in the laws and by what your mayors and command staff are going to do than than you actually are by 
other cops because the thing is, even if cops get together and snitch, like they'll be crushed by the mayors mm. in, in these systems because the the mayors are, would be getting embarrassed. You know, we have there was a chief in Wacomico County in Maryland who was a black chief in a white neighborhood who did all these progressive reforms and did all this good stuff, and they fucking politicians crushed his ass. Because he was speaking out against... And he was doing good things yeah. and actually succeeding with it. Is that also what's going on in Baltimore right now with, with, with the district attorney, Marilyn Mosby, who really who really spoke out and tried... You know, she, she, she prosecuted the cops. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and now it's they, almost like she... she, she like, that was like a false hope for us, almost. Really? Like because we thought she was doing it for the right reasons. Well, why was she doing it? We don't know, but it, now it looks like I mean these cases were handled to a level of ineptitude that I don't believe she has. Right. So it was just like they they weren't really trying to get through. She was wasn't really pushing the right issues because the thing with that is is you realize in the with Freddie Gray the officers being charged there like. We put a man in a metal box for no reason, bring him out dead, and they say no one's responsible. And the court case says the officers aren't criminally responsible. And for some of that reasoning, I get that. But that means that their commanders are for sure responsible. But no, she doesn't even pursue that line. I was volunteering to be an extra testimony because I wrote a my, my first step was theme we are professional. So I wrote an entire book on how you can fight the good old boy network, get promoted within the system. I was training people to do all those things. And in those books, it says not to do all these things. It says the seatbelt people because that was the God. Not only was it policy, it was the fucking law. Right. So it's like, yeah, we seatbelt everybody. What the hell are you talking about? But they allowed it to get covered up in that manner by not even pursuing it. I don't understand that. No, but even the fact that they're punishing her right now by allowing the cops to sue her personally. Is is that is that crazy? I mean, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Right, but but it's still the. I mean, I'm sure she's having some stressful nights, dude. Yeah, that conversation is even happening. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's politics, and who the hell even knows what these things mean? Because you have these unions and the prosecutors and the and their teams now. You know, so the chief and. And, the, and Marilyn Mosby are making these announcements of doing, you know, more enforcement actions and hiring more cops together while the union is suing her. And it's all of this back and forth politics. And who knows what any of this shit actually means. So, so what you're saying, man, is basically we're fucked. Yeah, I think we need a complete revolution because we have to destroy those three things. Everybody wants to form replacing without changing those three things of what policing fundamentally is. So it doesn't matter if you say, OK, well, we're going to. We're going to have cops that are from the neighborhood. Well, if you take cops that are from the neighborhood and you incentivize them to be brutal on their own people, guess what? They're just human beings. They're going to do the same goddamn thing everybody else does. So you have to change that system and tear it down. Michael, you 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 retired because of an injury, right? Yeah, I was forced out. And um, June fifteenth, twenty fifteen, you decide to shock the world and 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 you tweet that you're going to start talking about um, the injustices. Of the of the police department. Why? Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray. Um, like, so, had you been fine? Like, had you conscious about what you witnessed? And th- hey, were you fine? No, it was the final straw. That, okay, that so really talk about that evolution, man. So, you know, with Black Lives Matter coming up, um, I kind of saw the beginning with Trayvon and see, you know, kind of sowed the seeds. So you see the Trayvon thing. Yeah. That, that and what does that do to you? Well, well, Trayvon, back in the day, you're kind of looking at it, and it's just like, to, to us, it was like, this is, this is all fucked up. Like, we don't know what happened, but this shit clearly, like, doesn't seem right. And, He's a kid. And, and is indicative of a, of a broader society. Right. And I think white America was just like, oh, we don't know what's going on with that. And, and that's fine. And Mike and he's, Brown. He's not white anyway. He's Latino, so. Right, right. That's a simple fucking type of reasoning. And then you have Mike Brown being killed, and mm-hmm. that was a little more ambiguous. But the point of it being ambiguous is, is the reason it's ambiguous 
is because that fucking prosecutor criminally covered up the whole goddamn thing so we could never know the truth. Right. Right. So that's why that everybody's like, oh, we don't know what happens there. Yeah. That's the fucking problem. You're not supposed <laughs> to know what happened. Right. They made it so we don't right. know what happened. And then when Tamir was killed, mm. like, I, like my world fell apart watching that video. Um, like, everything coalesces in, in the evilness of America when you watch a 12-year-old boy get murdered. And, and it a, takes you back. A fucking city. Does it take you back to being a cop? Hell yeah. You know, and it's just like, because that's what we were responsible for. That's what our career was. Like, nothing, like that's everything coming together wrong. Like, there's no way we lead up to that situation. And then to see a city and a union and a whole fucking police department like cover it up and say there's nothing wrong and prosecutors not pursue it the entire system it's like fuck but i still kept up this thing where it wasn't me it wasn't my people this was still a foreign thing and then when it when freddie gray was killed and i and this is your hometown right and i watched i i, I saw our union you know, i'm still a member of the union because i still want to you know one of those days where i get locked up i want to be like well where's the union lawyers yeah. helping me but anyway that, that's a long-term plan yeah. <laughs> um and, and so I saw them, people I knew, you know, my agency standing up and saying nothing was wrong with taking a man, putting him in a metal box for no fucking crime, and then dry, and then have pulling him out dead, and, and no one is fucking accountable. This isn't a tragedy in, in what would happen and a complete failure of our system. And I was like, man, fuck that. So <laughs> I just said, like, so, so I you, felt so like it's more imperative. You, so yeah. you snapped in a sense in a good in a good way. You know, this this is one of the things that I question, man. You know, um, I just I talked about it in, in a recent episode of the Combat Jack Show. I, I watched the uh, phenomenal documentary, um, I'm Not Your Negro, um, by Raoul Peck, um, based on James Baldwin. And I was blown away by the breadth and scope of humanity he had because as much as, you know, United States were in turmoil, particularly in the 60s and, and, and the early 70s, he still saw racism not as a black and white issue, but like as an American issue. And he was like, if we don't get this shit together, it's going to destroy all of us, right? But from my perspective, white America does have the privilege of saying that is not my problem. So what is, like, like as a white man, as a white man descending or, or, or ascending into a higher sense of consciousness, like, like, how do you do that? Because it seems so rare to me. Uh, um, I, mean, I don't know. I don't feel like I actually did that. I mean, you're not a, aware of your 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 progression right. as it happens. It, it all feels natural as the time goes on. But, I mean, it's just kind of, if you just empathize with somebody else and think about those shoes, like, to white America, that's a bunch of Muslims with, 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 with the, the head wraps on, and, and coming down their street with Humvees and locking up their children. Like, if that shit was it's happening in Mexicans your neighborhood. That are climbing the wall and stealing our jobs. Right. It's a bunch of blacks that can they, they just can't get their shit together mm-hmm. and they're fucking dangerous with Tyrone and Lee. Like it's so so we're all we're all dehumanized. Right. And we, we keep dehumanizing in, in, in a white things. But I thought like especially like with Tamir. Like right. so just think about that. Like we like the community Cleveland didn't burn that bitch down, and we want to paint the black community as violent. Right. And come on, I'm going to tell you right now, you kill my daughter like that, I'm going to burn this bitch down, and I'm one dude. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, like, also, you're also a trained Marine, too. So. Uh, but I mean, so you're going to lick off some shots, too. <laughs> how, how can somebody not, though? Like, right. how can you, how could, 
I don't understand how how you cannot empathize. With so how do, how do they not? How are they not able to empathize? They don't watch dude. when it's so clear. Because t- when you're privileged, equality feels like loss. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in this day and age where everything mm-hmm. is caught on film, and we fucking play that shit over and over and over again. You're looking at Tamir Rice, and I know we get desensitized, but how do you? I I don't understand how these walls could still keep you. So it doesn't, it doesn't touch them, man. They don't. They don't understand what a stop and frisk does to you. Like I okay, so so it really is completely two separate worlds. It's it's definitely two separate worlds. I mean, even in in these cities, right. the, like Baltimore, is complete. Washington is literally the fucking other side of the tracks. Right, <laughs> and you can stand on that bridge and <laughs> Yo, look one I way and look the other way. For the first time, I was like, "What the hell is this? The hood is literally right there. Yeah, like, yeah. Or literally, yeah. you could throw cross a over rock, the tracks. Throw a rock, right. It. So you start talking about the things that you you you, you witness and experience in, in, in the Baltimore Police Department. What's the re- what's the response you get from from members from fellow members of the force? I'm a traitor. Yeah. You know, um, I don't get pushback that they're, you know, I think they get a lot of the points and that makes it even harder for them. So, like, they kind of, not only am I a traitor, but the shit I say makes them have to deal with themselves and and their own actions. And I think somebody, people don't want to face that accountability. So it's easy to be ignorant of it. So then you don't have to do anything. Do these cops know? Are they cognizant that they're doing some fucking shit? It's slowly. It's slowly getting there. I think we're reaching. So even though it seems like we can feel like, oh, we're fucking not getting anywhere. It's not getting worse. How the fuck do these people believe that way? But it's really improving. There there are definitely a lot of millennials that are pushing their grandparents to wake up and, and, and see the world for what it is. Because we have to realize that no matter what happens... This is not marginalized community or oppressed community's problem. This is a white problem, yes. and it's it's our responsibility to fix this. We have to fight with one another to create a system where we understand that, you know. And if you're genetically superior, well, then give everybody advantages, bitch, because you were, you were born with the genetic <laughs> ones, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yo, I like that, man. Um, what What is the mentality behind, and I, I got to say this, making a mockery of Black Lives Matter? By creating blue lives, man. Like what is like what like what is the psychology of that? I mean, as an ex cop, man, what is that, man? Because to me, that's so fucking hurtful. Yeah, I'm kind of guessing that. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's it's quite there's obvious. No, there's no such thing as a blue life. It's right. a fucking job. Like I, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, it's about what you're bored with. Is discrimination not right. not what job you choose? But right. you know, so it's uh, silly from 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 the from its premise. Yeah, I mean, it's prim- It's irrational. But you don't see a lot of cops doing that, and they don't even mean blue lives matter. Okay, so I like to break it down. There's there's been a bunch of black cops that were killed by, by other cops, whether it's black or white yes. cops, that were off-duty because they were trying to do an act, and they automatically presume that the black guy with a gun is the enemy, and it ends up being the cop that was doing the right thing. So, But you never hear Blue Lives Matter speaking up for that, where right. the intersection of Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter crosses. There is one, and there's a lot of examples, but they don't say Blue Lives Matter then, so they don't really mean Blue Lives Matter. They mean shut the fuck up. Right. Exactly. Did you hear about the, the Muslim woman who... Um... Um, New York cop, right? The New York cop, yeah, right, yeah. And and um, her her I don't know what the correct terminology is. Her hijab. But, but the people, her coworkers, didn't do anything about her, uh, and and they were the ones who snatched her hijab off, beat her up, called her a Muslim bitch. And what happens to Blue Lives Matter then? You know what I'm saying? Oh. Where's Blue Lives Matter then when you're attacking a Muslim woman who is 
A uh, member of the force. Yes, a member of the force, and nobody's screaming "Blue Lives Matter." Yeah, they don't mean it. It's just—I mean, what does "All Lives Matter" mean too? It just still, it still means shut it's the fuck up. It right. means shut it's the fuck up. Right. To, I'm to glad you said that, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is. Like, no, all lives matter. Well, if that you really meant that, then you would say "Black Lives Matter." It's like all Kool Aid matters. <laughs> it's like somebody's like, I no, love- no, the red Kool Aid really matters. <laughs> I thought it was the purple stuff, but <laughs> no, anyway. the red one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like if you're like purple Kool Aid matters, and they're like, no, all Kool Aid matters. Like. Then that means the fucking purple one does. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, did did you ever feel that your life was at risk, man? Policing? Yeah. No, no. I'm talking about after when you started speaking out. Nah. And but you, I'm sure you were getting a lot of hateful. I get death threats. Right. You I, get death threats. Yeah, I, it doesn't shake you. Yo, it doesn't move you. Like uh, you don't. Barking dogs ain't usually ones to be afraid of. Right. <laughs> That's the one that doesn't say shit. You know. So I mean, I don't worry about barking dogs. Did you ever feel threatened in any way? Did anybody ever step to you? Like, no, 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 Because you are kind of you're, you're you're kind of a celebrity right now in this well, I, in this world. I'm I, I still look for the fight. So, yo, you're fucking crazy. like I mean you're fucking white privilege. <laughs> yo, <you're crazy> white <laughs> privilege. Like I mean if if that's the thing, like people will tweet me, right? And I'll tweet out my fucking address. Right. I'm like, yo, I mean, you've tweeted out your address. Yeah, <laughs> people Does have your my wife phone like number. Say, like, Michael, what the fuck are you doing? Of course, he'd be like, catch me. No, but like, 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 I'm not hiding. <laughs> like, this is a different. This is a, like, I'm a public figure. You don't have to talk shit on on the internet. Like, I post. I'll be at Towson University at 7:30 p.m. Like, fucking show up. Ready, ready. I'm <laughs> like. Come, come, come! Put it, put your your money where your mouth is, and they never do. So there's not a legit. Are you able to carry you? You carry your shit? I could, but I don't. Right. You know, I, I because I believe I am not a, a gun advocate either. Right. So I carry a trauma kit because the answer is, is if you get shot and I had my gun and I shoot the person that shot you. I you do shit it. to save your life. Exactly. So I carry a trauma kit now. Hopefully that motherfucker will run away, and then I can attend to you medically. Right. You know, you also talk about, and pe- people don't give you enough credit. You also talk about how. The police force—it's unjust against police officers. You know, you, you, you people. That's what get, I saw first, right? right. And how so? Like with, with regard to like the stats and like what? what like what did you see? The first thing that I saw was the promotional system. Mm-hmm. So Baltimore is a black city with a black police department with a black mayor, black you know whole line chain of command. But the officers—they they, when they when I started getting blackballed a little bit, and they kind of put me into different units. I was rebellious then too. And, and and so I saw in the records that officers were about 50%, 60% black. Right. But then sergeants start getting lower, and then lieutenants got lower. And then each way up, you got lower until they got to the top of the police department where they had their things that everybody saw, and they put in their house Negroes into those ones that were just as willing to execute white supremacy right. as anybody else's. Right, right. And that's how they balance out the top, making it look good. So it's like, well, what is this? Something's here. Like, why does this exist? And the reason is because there's a good old boy network in the promotional system where that old crew passes down the answers to the test. They did this uh, in Chicago. They just got busted for this. The chief's wife is just got promoted to lieutenant because the chief gave her the damn answer to the test. They get access to these things. And if they can't get the answers, they know, like, what ballpark they're going to be in because mm-hmm. the books are huge. It's like a, a three-foot stack of – four-foot stack of books that you have to learn everything in. And the test can come any questions out of anywhere. Right. So they kind of know it's where to like look. It's like the bar exam. Right, right, right. So they know where to look ahead of time and things like that. 
so they give it to their their little clubs. And sometimes it might be a black guy in that club, but you right, know what kind of, of black guy it is that's yeah, in that of club. Course, yeah. And, and, and so that's how, how they got that promotional thing going. So we, I said, you know, part of that the fighting that was like, fuck this, we're gonna, I'm gonna level the playing field because I was getting promoted and stuff on my own. I wasn't in the club, but I knew I was smart enough to document it out. Right. So the other supervisors helped cover some of my my workload, and we wrote, I wrote a whole book while I was taking the lieutenant's test to make sure I documented every bit of how you get through this promotional system so that it's completely out of the department's hands. The good old boy network is disempowered. Then I started teaching people, and then the next time we did a promotion cycle, 25 of the next batch of 50 sergeants were people that I had trained, oh. and that was really my death sentence in the police department. <laughs> <laughs> that was way too much power for somebody like me right. to possess. So that's, that's how we were addressing that. And then like another one is one of their ways to punish me was to sit me into medical. And when I was in the medical section, I was What's in, the medical section. So I was in charge of like all the injuries and tracking where everybody went. Yeah, yeah. Because in a huge department like that, you have hundreds and hundreds of people injured at any any point in time. And so there was, on the force, right? Yeah. And so there was a black cop named uh, Jermaine, Jermaine Cook. Yeah. Who was a narcotics detective that I had worked with, and he was a victim of a hate crime out in the county. Um, these people were acting up. Off duty. Or? Off duty. And he, he got out of his car, identified himself as police, showed his badge, said, you guys can't be out here drinking like this. They they dropped the M-bomb on him on the 911 call, hit him in the in the eye with a glass bottle, beat him up. Clear they, they, The uh, the police from that jurisdiction arrest the guys. They're charged with a hate crime. They're convicted. All this other shit. And they want to push Jermaine out of the police department on a non-line of duty injury saying he wasn't a cop because he didn't have his gun on him. Even though he fucking had his badge and he was doing everything honorable and he, that and he, he should have been, he informed, informed him. him. It's recorded. This is he did everything by the textbook, right? And then the the deputy commissioner is trying to push, get me to push him out on nine line of duty, and I'm just arguing with it, not thinking much of it. And then at the very like the next week. He's trying to tell me to cover up for one of his good old boy network guys oh. who was a white dude that came up with him, has 19 years on, is deaf from a nine line of duty injury. And he wants me to cover that up while I'm pushing Jermaine out. And it's like, man, fuck you. I'm not like you've lost your mind if you think I'm going to let this fly. So it's like little things like that that pile up. Black cops are punished more. So even if they have equal offenses, it's just like. In normal life, you still paint that black, black officer. Kid, black kids right, it's the exact same thing. Right. So you'll have a, a white officer that commits one departmental violation and a black officer, and they, they will punish the black officer consistently worse than they do the white officer. And does that explain also, like, and you talked about it also, I've heard you talk about it before, does that also explain why a lot of black cops tend to overcompensate when it comes down to how I they I thought treat... it was a personal slight. Right. When... So I, no, I've always thought that what happens is, especially... I don't I don't know if this is a common thing in New York, but at least in Baltimore, African blacks are very different from American blacks. Of course. And we have a lot of African blacks in the department. So I saw them really, really exercise that they feel that the American blacks are, are lesser. Insult, yeah, insult. Yeah, right. Insult to them. And, and other people thought, like other uh, black in the neighborhood would think that like, the the criminals were making the black race look bad, so right. they were extra when aggressive towards it. And I right. could feel that because I I might have been like that with white people. So right. I could, like that's that could be where that comes from. Do you feel like that with Trump? Is the embarrassment to the? I was on this European radio show the other day, and they were like, "We want to introduce Michael Wood, blah blah blah." The and the American, and I'm like, "Can like can the you just American. say North America? Can I be like <laughs> I'm Canadian?" Like, and she's like, "No, you guys made your bed. You." Lie at it, <laughs> you know. Eat that up. Yeah, it's, I'm embarrassed to be American, man. Yeah, I mean, 
I got an excuse. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> our, our poster now being, being black, I'm like, hey, we try. <laughs> think about what happened. That poster now is white, 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 black, orange. Yeah, yeah. Like, what <laughs> happened? No, black clown, like black clown. And man, it's crazy. Um, so you know, one of the things that you speak about, you, you, this whole empathy thing, man. And one of the things that moved me is when you said that you would see cops handling a black person a certain way, but you didn't even see them anymore as a black person. Not saying you were colorblind, but you saw them as your brother. I mean, that's what we are. Right. We're all related. Are we, now, we are, right? We are, we are. So, like, I mean, again, it becomes, a, being in the narcotics world, you, you end up getting these kids, these dealers that, you know, the world, God, these are fucking kids, man. Like, the world paints them as some enemy, and they're fucking kids. And you get them in the room, and you talk to them, and you're doing these interviews and interrogations, and it's just like, there's zero fucking difference between this kid and me. Like, uh, there's one Daniel Terry that always stands out to me, and I'm like, this kid is clearly a better kid than me. What like, is he telling you? What is he telling you? He was just trying to survive. So, was he, what, what was his what was his crime? He just selling the flower, just okay. selling weed. I like calling it a flower now. Some hippie kid told me that, and I was like, damn, you're right. It is just a flower, it's just right? a flower, because right? yeah. it's actually yeah. not even the whole we're, plant. We're criminalizing we, people. We'll call it a plant or we'll call yeah. it green, but it's literally not the whole plant. It's yeah. just the flower bud, just the flower, which is crazy. <laughs> and people are doing years, for right? Just so, so what he ended up doing a hell of a lot more than that, and he was just selling weed to survive because he had a, he was he was young, had a, had a baby, wanted to make sure that he got things for the kid and the girl lived out in the county so he would have to have travel back and forth his parents were poor he didn't have any resources kept locking him up and eventually he ends up we end up locking him up one time we get jumped by the neighborhood and he escapes and escape is a crime of violence so now he's a violent repeat considered a crime of violence really and he never hurts a soul what, how, how is that i don't fucking know they codified it that's, right, that's right, what they say right, right so now this he's he's a violent repeat offender and like this kid, the, the like everything that this kid did bad in life, I did hella worse than. Of course. And, and it was like the world's gonna see this kid as an enemy, and it's, it's like, no, like this is the good kid. This is the good kid. And 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 so like yeah, those are my brothers. They're 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 no, like I don't understand. Like they're, they're better than me. <laughs> like even the black communities, when we talk about like the violence thing, we paint black communities as being violent. But if you terrorized a white community like that, oh, yo, they would burn. They, they, they'd burn if the they lose thing. the fucking game, they will burn that shit <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. alone, something in life. Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Do you find because you know when we speak about when black people speak about issues like this, it's very easy for us to get ignored. Um, do you find more people are listening to you because you're white? It's the only reason. Right. Um, I'm not saying like so. I got to these positions scholarly, um, and people will pop up and say. You know, you sound like Malcolm, you sound like Martin, and I'll listen to an old video, and I'll be like, oh, shit, they did say that, right. you know? So I'm not saying anything new. I just arrived at those conclusions through research and, and practical application, not because I knew the history lessons. Right. And, and it's th this this is where we are, so the only reason anyone ever listened to me was because I was a pretty white boy who had a badge. Right. That's it. Nothing's, I'm not saying anything new. I'm providing perspective but like d Watkins is a, a writer in baltimore who was a, a dealer and reading his book like kind of gave me a lot of confidence because i thought that like am i fucking seeing the world right like i'm not crazy right like, but it's crazy though when <laughs> you start seeing shit i remember um about 10 years ago um i was involved in a lawsuit with one of my employers and based on race discrimination but because race at that time 
issues of race in New York was so covert that even as a black man, I was like, I know it exists. But even when I talk to my peers, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. So am I crazy for seeing shit that I know exists, but you can't touch? I mean, now you could see it and touch it. So you felt crazy. like Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Like, am I the one that's nuts? And then I read D's book, which uh, he has two of them. Uh, the B-side is the one I read the first time. Right. The one's called The Cook-Up. And it was him telling this pretty much the same story from the drug dealer side. And it was like, well, this is the go- same goddamn story. I'm not fucking crazy. The drug dealer's seeing the goddamn thing the exact same way. We're not the crazy ones. Y'all are. So, you know, we kind of ended up being friends and, and uniting over these kind of causes. And I think a lot of us are starting to see it. We're not. The millennials aren't buying this shit, man. Mm-hmm. And, and as Gen Xers, we have to push the agenda and push the envelope. You know, kind of, I view us as clearing the way. For the millennials to come behind us and fix all this shit because they're going to they're gonna have damn no choice yeah, uh, yeah. they got no fucking choice <laughs> but they are i mean they, they already do that for the vast majority right. of the way already i mean you go ahead and try try to find me a hundred <laughs> random below 30 year olds who who have these convoluted ideas of patriotism and capitalism they all mostly socialists who fucking think that standing for the flag is dumb yeah. i don't stand for the flag haven't stood for it for a decade and you fought for the flag i mean you fought for the flag i didn't fight i mean you didn't we fight don't for the... fight for the flag we fight for that dude next to us to no. come home alive and and then when you realize that your life and that dude's life are being put at risk for these bullshit reasons mm-hmm. like you get offended that's how you know, with the Dakota Access Pipeline, with veterans stand, my, my group, so th- that, that's why w- there's all these veterans stepping up and saying no, because we all see this. It's a bunch of veterans under 30. You keep creating veterans that are a bunch of progressives. You're going to create a veterans that are going and want to fight and yeah. do something in the future. Yeah, I was, so, I was so happy when, you know, that whole issue with Colin, Colin Kaepernick and, you know, just everyone saying that he was an insult to the troops that fought and how many troops stood up and like, nah, he's doing what we fucking fought we for. We fought for his right mm-hmm. to not stand to, up. Yeah. Like, I'll stand up for that thing and I'll, like, well, if we do have justice for all and we do have level playing fields, I'll stand up, sure. But until then, you're full shit. Do you stand up, man? No, I haven't stood up in a de- for a decade. Yes. Uh, my daughter doesn't stand up right. in, in school and, and we explain why and say, you know, like, sorry, this is the way it is and I, I love when people give me dirty looks for not standing up and it's like, I'm the actual veteran. Yeah, I'm the, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't think I'm disrespecting vets? That's just your your ignorance. I, I'm I'm glad that you're taking your passion on a, on a broader path, man. Because you're. What are you doing now with with, with the Dakota Access Pipeline, man? Well, right now we're doing our second GoFundMe. The first one. And what's your name? The name of your organization? Man? So Veteran Stand. Veteran Stand. Um, because it kind of started off with the idea of Veteran Stand for Standing Rock. Right. And then uh, we realize quickly that the idea of what we stand for should always change because we need to keep evolving to combat the next issue. So right now with, you know, the Trumpian reality, um, we have a new GoFundMe. We have $180,000 in there right now. Uh, it's just been a week. We did a million dollars in a couple of weeks the first time. And, and now we have people up there kind of getting the infrastructure in place because the biggest thing is, is when building platforms is it's not your fucking voice. Right. So it's my voice. It's my face. You'll see selling it. But once I'm there, I'm silent. You know, right. it, it's for the people that, that we're trying to serve. This is truly a service mission to put somebody out. So the next thing that everybody wants to do is Flint. And then if we can get enough mm. money to go to Flint and replace some of the pipes there, then what you'll see is you'll see me on TV 
constantly. But as soon as we're there, you're going to see local voices. So when we bring the cameras, we turn those cameras to the voices that need to be heard, uh, not the ones that keep talking, which is the white saviors that come in and say things like, oh, we need to build a new job facility. Well, you forgot the fucking no one can get to it. You know, if you would have asked the neighborhoods then you would have actually gotten the answers that you needed. So we want to ask neighborhoods. We want to identify a place like Flint and say, what can we do? You tell us and we'll figure out what that plan is and provide the resources to do it and be that enforcement wing. You know, off air, man, you were saying how, you know, with regard to the North, you know, the, the Dakota access pipeline, how, you know, just just how many how many square how many miles of pipe do they have to build? Yeah, it was somewhere around two thousand miles, and most of it they's already built. So right. even when they say about jobs, they say bring in jobs. You're literally taking jobs away because now all the truck drivers that were driving it, you're taking their jobs away. There's only like fourteen permanent jobs for, for the whole pipeline right. thing. So it's it's a direct example of privatizing the gains and socializing the losses. Yeah, what's the danger of our government continuing to piss off vets, man? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's quite clear, and I'm really shocked that this they're, they're even talking about the Dakota Access Pipeline again. Like, I got, f- we got 4,000 people there in the middle of the goddamn winter in, in, in no man's land. Why would you dare ask me to do this again in the middle of summer? I, I, I'm, I'm perplexed by that concept because we're holding the vets back. Like, we have a roster of 4,000 now. But this is only because we're like, please don't flood our system. We're not even ready to handle how many vets there are. I'm quite confident that we would easily get 10,000 people up there. And and I don't care what police force you think you have. 10,000 people can walk through it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to win. And why would you push this issue? How are you going to do? Protect 2,000 miles of pipeline? Like, I just don't understand why they're pushing this issue. It's, it's really baffling. You know, one of the things that I question, man, is we see, you know, we see how you know, with regard to police officers, it's a brotherhood and they protect themselves. And they're also really, they, they're also, you know, they're, they're also at the, at the mercy and the whim of their supervisors. You know, they're just following out orders. Um, but one, one of the things that scares me right now, man, is the way this guy is acting. And if he decides to have the military move in one way or another, is that, is that going to be an issue or, or I mean, I don't think they'll do it. Right. Um, for the most part, yeah, I think for I, uh, the 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 cops and the national guard and stuff, they can they can still marginalize and, and villainize Native Americans and Black people in a Black Lives Matter rally, but the idea of thousands of veterans who are all mixed race—I mean, they the people that came with us came from every corner of the nation and from—I mean, I, if if our demographics were would were like probably representative. Of, evenly of the country uh so every group is there every nationality every geography is there so it, it is a, a true uniting right, right. You know, towards the whole thing it's yeah. not like this is some kind of piecemeal thing this is a, a growing movement they don't they're still not understanding that that like the whole even kind of bernie thing is a, is a burning underlying populist movement towards a more empathetic socialism populism not the populism that that trump got away right with. right right Yo, do, so how do we change this, man? Well, I mean, I, do we got to burn this shit down. Man? So, so yeah, I think we do in, into a certain effect, especially when it comes to local takeover of police departments and things like that. I, I think you do have to stand up hard enough 
and, and maybe you're more uprising to to get it through to these politicians that you get to control your police department, not them. You know, you have to finally say, uh, stop saying how you will be police and right. tell the police how they're going they're going to do their job, and that's going to take a takeover. Otherwise. I mean, I don't know. We got to wait for all the baby boomers to die. <laughs> so it's, it's scary, man. It's, no, it's, 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 it's some scary time. It's a scary time, huh? I, I, I guess, but we always have to keep in perspective that we're uniting. This is the safest era in human history. This is the longest period of peace in human history. We are improving and we are uniting. And I don't think you're going to be able to play this game of pitting the races against one another. As, I mean, and again, I mean, what are we doing? We're all just fucking each other anyway. Shit's going to be gone. You know, like that's one thing I also don't get. It's like white supremacists are still out here screaming white power, but it's like, yo, your daughter is fucking a black guy. You know what I'm this saying? This is all like, over soon. Your son's dating a Spanish girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can you? Sorry, your grandchildren are gonna be mixed babies, so you're over here white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy, but your white supremacy is getting like diluted. You yeah, know, it's, it's like, done. so who's gonna really? It's only you screaming this right now. Your and, kids, and why do you even fucking matter? You won't be here. Right? Well, like, I mean, but that's how they feel their inadequacy, right? You know, I mean, does Trump have, like, really? Come on. Is that a little dick or a big dick? We know, right? He's got little right, hands. Right, right. So how do you get in that situation? He's got situation? little hands. Right, well, so, He's got I mean, baby hands. But we know, right? Yeah. Right. So, so we all know. That's how you end up in that situation. Well, I mean, the, there, there's kind of that thing in whiteness as a whole, that when it feels inadequate, it, it just goes to that whole extreme mm-hmm. to, to kind of try and prove itself and to be, be the schoolyard bully is how it feels. Anyway, I can't speak for all white people, right. but I mean, that's what I observe. How have you responded, man, when you felt inadequate in certain instances because of your whiteness? Because I'm sure you had to experience that on this journey. Well, I mean, I've, I've wholly convinced that the point of having privilege is to use it against the system. Right. And that's what I'm going to do every step of the way. The reason, one of the reasons that I'm finishing my PhD now is so I can have that check in the box. Because what are they going to do? They're going to say, "Well, you never served. You never, never police. You don't know. You, you were. You're not. You didn't go to school. Yeah, of course, you're school against me now. So that that'd be another one too. I'm only liberal because I went to school or something like that. But you know, facts and shit like that. But but whatever. It's, it's you just keep checking all the box, using all that privilege they give you, and then turn that shit on them. That's like that's what our generation should be doing with our whiteness is using it as a weapon yo dude are you going into politics <laughs> people ask me that all the time maybe i will one day but i think this can be bigger i really want to like make us synonymous with the aclu or something like that like you know the aclu lawyers come in and you're, you're ready for the aclu lawyers come in but i also want you to be afraid that when you step on, on some people's toes that there's going to be thousands of marines that are going to get there any single mm. day too with those aclu ACLU. Thank you. Lawyers behind them right. uh, to make sure that everything is good. Guns and lawyers. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But we don't need the guns, though. We are there is to be peaceful. We want to be beaten and, and, and be the representative because that's the whole thing is like if we uh, encapsulate what patriotism is, then what. What what visual is it that you are going to pay state sanctioned agents to beat patriotism down? You know, um, it's interesting, man. Um, we had Angela Rye on the combat jack show a couple of weeks ago and and she really changed my perspective in terms of you know i haven't always been proud to be an american and i still wrestle with that terribly not proud but no no you're gonna give me a reason why no 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 no, but but i'm going through this thing right now where where um where um you know just the fact that seeing people stand up you know what i mean seeing people risk a lot 
for what they're risking right now. Um, I am kind of proud in terms of how people are fighting that. You, you yeah, know I'm I mean? certainly proud of us and, and what we've done. And maybe this is the more of the original Americans right. because, I mean, like, that's the thing, too, is like even white people, when they talk about protesting, like that's this country formed from a revolutionary war yeah. where Britain would have definitely called us terrorists. So, I mean, like, one man's terrorist is always another man's freedom fighter. And, you know, we, we maybe are that original Americans now that are standing up against the king and queen, the oligarchy. Yeah. So, Michael, what's next for you, man? Continuing this veteran stand, moving to L.A., diving in 100%. Moving to L.A., huh? Yeah. Doing, doing the L.A. thing and diving into the media because that was our two variables is the strong social media presence. And so if the strong social media presence and hitting the media is what got us a million dollars to go help and get the Lakota Sioux's voice elevated and get media attention on them, then we need to. I need to dive in 100%. I feel like there's a moral responsibility to dive in 100% to that and continue to see if we can build upon that. If I fail, well, then so, so what? I, I failed, but I, I'm going to give it 100%. And hope that it doesn't. You're moving to Hollywood, though, man. Right? I mean, Close to Hollywood, right? That's what we got to do, right? And you're, and you're a handsome dude, man. You, you got you got Hollywood in the, you got Hollywood in the future, man. I don't think so because I, I'm really annoyed when um, media fucking gives a shit what somebody that plays pretend on TV thinks about a fucking issue. Like I don't understand that. Ask somebody that actually knows something about an issue, not somebody that pretended to play about that issue on TV. So I kind of have an animosity towards Hollywood. Maybe mm. I don't think I could see myself doing that, and I have to be more on the ground. Unless the check was, I mean, yeah. Let's. I mean, let's be honest. So yeah. if I can get enough money, I will. I if told it, you, it, I will sell. <laughs> out to, to get money for this mission i'm sorry say that no, again no, no. i mean i'll sell out to get money for this mission i got no problem like if bank of america wants to give me 500 million dollars a year to make sure i run this thing well that shit i'll take your money i'll tell you to fuck <laughs> off in the same movement with your shit but i'll put your logo on there and keep it moving you know so if hollywood wants to do that we can do the same thing there you go where can where can our audience find you man I mean, I'm going to steer everybody towards uh, Veteran Stand, so www.veterans-stand.org, and you can get a hold of me through there. I have a strong Twitter thing, so I guess we can go that way, too, which would be at Michael A. Wood Jr., and you'll see me getting my Twitter beefs with, with, with people. And, and, and be authentic, because I think being authentic is important as much as people will yell at me for being overly authentic and attacking trolls. Whatever, man. They deserve to be attacked. There you go, man. Well, well thanks for stopping <laughs> by, man. I, I wish you the best, man, particularly... Since you're uprooting going out west, man. You know, the East Coast is a br- battle, and you know it. It's a yeah, grimy, I'm done, I'm done dark, East doggy Coast, dog. I can't, I can't handle it. I'm done with the East Coast. <laughs> I mean, I'm not ready to move yet, but this shit is just so hard out here. It man. is. Brutal. It's you know, brutal. We fight on one another. You got you to gotta be rich to be poor in New York, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, listen, Michael, once again, man, thank you for thank coming you, through. Brother. Yo, King, what's up, man? This is very dope, man. Uh, I mean, it's it's good to hear perspectives, other perspectives, and philosophies. And this, in this, you know, time, man, it's like it's good that that to know that this brother's, you know, doing what he can to 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 protect our future. Yeah, you know, that's well, what it's I, about, right? It's all it's all, it's all about protecting our future because everything that they're doing right now seems as they're trying to take away from our future. Yeah. And that's the scariest thing. It's like, how do you, like, once again, I don't want to go into it, man, but just the situation with education. Right. The situation with our environment. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you not believe in climate control? How can you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like climate they, change. They, like, they, climate change. How can you not, you know, how can you not, how can you go into other people's land and, and fuck with their water? Say, so how can we fucking turn our back on Flint, Michigan? But the EPA is saying that now the, the, the fucking water is lead free. Like, you fucking drink that shit. 
you fucking go drink that shit if it's so fucking clean. They want to destroy. Like the Michael plant. just said, it's like it takes a twenty, twenty-two year, twenty-two year cycle for lead to really affect the next generation, and these motherfuckers are burning the future generation across the fucking board, b. And I feel like, you know, even in an environmental situation, like I think we've came a, a long way in the last decade. Even after the Al Gore situation, is he, he, you know, raised awareness about what's going on with climate, global, uh, climate change, change and yeah. and, and, and now we're regressing. It's like you know, little things like recycling. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and we, we were on track, and now are they fucking recycling? No, I'm just saying, like that's where we got to that <laughs> point. It was like, all right, yeah, we're all doing it, right? We're all conscious of it. The little things, and now it's like. Coal, like the, the doing the coal mining. Nah, that's a good point, man. That's a good point. Yeah, the, the, the effect of whatever decisions is now, there's 10, 20 years, and it's like we got to go reset again when we was already coming Yo, out man, of that I don't, shit. I don't wish any harm on anybody, but I wish everybody in the administration get some ass cancer, man. And just listen, let's <laughs> end it like that, man. Internets, you know what it is, man. Wait, wait. But R.I.P. Devil in the Blue. R.I.P. Devil in the Blue, Joyce Wright. You know yes. what I'm saying? For supporting us for so many years. Free Tax Stone, man. Free Tax Stone. Yes, sir. I was supposed to go on tax dude right before he got locked up. I was like, oh, man. Man, that Salute. would have been ill. Salute, Salute, Stone. Salute, 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 Stone. Internet, you know what it is, man. Dream those dreams and then man up, woman up, and live those dreams because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. This episode of the Combat Jack Show is produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King, and this is an affair. Official Loudspeakers Network production. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm really mad y'all made me do that. I'm so mad right now. <laughs> Please don't post that anywhere. <laughs> I'm so mad at y'all. <laughs> bop, bop, bop.